I just want to start off by thanking you for your patience. Um, it's been a really uh, rough, frustrating last couple days in trying to get all this squared away. So what we ended up doing uh, with the issues of recording, we re-recorded the sermon, and hopefully this will still be a huge blessing to you um, and encouragement to you to live out the Word of God, to be living proof, if you will, of wisdom. You ever find yourself disappointed by someone? You originally thought that they were different, but the way they respond to that situation totally changed your mind. In fact, your opinion changed dramatically when they blew it that one time. See, at some point in our lives, we're all going to disappoint others. But also, we'll have people that come along and disappoint us. In fact, many of us actually have instances in our lives that we remember that one time changed us permanently in our opinion of that person. But let me ask you to specifically ask yourself these questions. Who have I disappointed? Think that through. Another question is, what do others think of me? And then the ultimate question out of those is, what does God actually think of me? You see, whoever sets the standard in your mind sets the standard in your life. I did not say what, I said who, because any mindset comes from words that define how we live whether they're words that we speak to ourselves or God speaks to us or others speak to us, whether they're written, verbal, or even internal. You see, we took a long look at the discerning heart that Solomon was given. But just because he was given that heart of wisdom and understanding did not mean he continually lived it out through that standard. See, today we're going to actually look at some of the things found in Scripture. We're going to dig specifically into particular principles that are found in last week's reading that hopefully will give us time to pause and see how we're doing practically in living out God's Word. I mean, if God's Word is the standard and that's what we say, then why don't we actually live it out? I mean, why do our opinions or others set the standard for our life? In fact, as Proverbs 1.7 says, we mentioned this I think last week, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, anything that we cover today will be lived out based on, based on whether or not you find it important to fear God. See, this is a reverential awe of knowing Him, that He is holy and that you and I are not. His ways are above ours, and because He knows best, I want you to listen and obey Him. And I need to listen and obey Him. You're going to have a hard time living out some of these principles that we're going to cover today if you don't have a proper fear of God. If you feel that you know what's best for you, some of the things that we're going to actually discuss will not easy, be easy for you to digest. In fact, just giving you a warning, it won't go well. <laughs> so the first thing we're going to take a look at is the principle found in Proverbs 1, 10 through 19. Don't join in sin. Don't, jo don't join in sin. Number two, let mercy and truth define you, Proverbs 3, 1 through 4. Number three, help without delay, Proverbs 3, 27 and 28. Number four, Correction is good for you, Proverbs 17, 10. And number five, wait to speak, Proverbs 17, 27 through 18, 2. So number one we're going to take a look at is Proverbs chapter 1, verses 10 through 19. Don't join in sin. Look at what it says. It says this. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait to shed blood. Let us lurk secretly for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like Sheol and whole like those who go down to the pit. 
We shall find all kinds of precious possessions. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in your lot among us. Let us all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird. But they lie in wait for their own blood. They lurk secretly for their own lives. So are the ways of everyone who is greedy for gain. It takes away the life of its owners. See, you don't need to just agree to all sorts of sins that others may entice you with. In fact, one of the big ones is sexuality. Don't let sinners, those that oppose God's moral code, as spelled out here in the Word of God, tell you how God's ways, they just don't work. They don't matter, and frankly, it just won't really hurt you. Uh, be very careful who you get your advice from when it comes to relationships. If you get into the trend that culture has, it may not go well for you. In fact, sinners here in the context spelled out are really those that don't care for the ways of God. They actually want you to join in with them, and, and particularly in taking advantage of others for personal gain. It doesn't actually take much to connect with others. Because sometimes what happens is when we connect with others, we only want to extract from them what we ourselves want and our wicked heart desires for our own purposes. Watch out for it all being about the money. See, if it's all about what you can get from somebody else, you'll never have proper relationships with other people. In fact, you're going to constantly want to find something that benefits you. In fact, verse 18 says in another translation, but these people set an ambush for themselves. They are trying to get themselves killed. Such is the fate of all who are greedy for money. It robs them of life. So don't join in sin, but let mercy and truth define you. Number two, the second thing we're going to look at is let mercy and truth define you. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. It says this. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. So, if someone to ask you, you know, what, what words would describe you? Like, let's say they gave you two options, okay? What, what words would describe who you are? Would, would those words be, as found here in the text, mercy and truth? Would they be words like gracious? I mean, what disciple of Christ would be anything but merciful to others in telling them the truth of the gospel, that Christ died to save them from eternal damnation? In fact, you can share the truth without mercy, or as the New Testament says, grace, and it will just slice people up and hurt them. It's constantly going on, even today. It should break your heart that people are hurting right now. You shouldn't mock them. There are people that are high and mighty at times that need a dose of humility, but that's not what I'm talking about specifically here. I'm talking about people that don't see it from your perspective, and you feel you need to show them the truth. If you do so, do it with mercy. Do it with grace. Both gifts that God actually gave you and me when we trusted Christ. You see, you didn't get salvation because you were somehow better than other people. You got it because God was gracious and merciful to you. And he gave you new life to see Christ for who he is. See, as much as we live peaceably uh, around many people, there are people that we're continually in contention with. And scripture tells us to live peaceably with all men as much as is possible. 
Maybe we don't have a great reputation with others outside the faith because mercy is not high on our priority list with truth. See, another proverb here that we find in the principle is that the importance of helping without delay cannot be understated. Number three, help without delay. Proverbs 3, verses 27 through 28. Look at what it says. Do not withhold from those to whom it is due, when it is in the power of your hand to do so. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come back, and tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. So there's something about being able to help others out, but constantly putting it off without our pathetic excuses. There's always something that we can do today that we've, we've already helped in with ourselves and continually should tell others, hey, we're going to do this one day for you maybe. We'll help you in this. I know I got this done for myself, but I'm going to get to you eventually. People deserve your help today. We should stop putting off the, the, the things that we promised them that we were going to do yesterday. I'm not saying you shouldn't take care of yourself or your immediate family. I mean, Scripture clearly states that that's the most priority that you should give to your family first. But sometimes with the excess that God's given to us, we're not out to help anybody else. And we always have excuses and a constant delay that never seems to end. In fact, many of us constantly put off the help that we could have been to others. And we miss divine opportunities to reach others with the gospel. God wants you to go ahead and help and not just keep delaying. Here's one of the big problems, I think. you got to stop waiting for the perfect time to help your parents if they need it. Do it this week. Stop waiting to help in your church, your school, your community. I'm sure those things will be limited right now, but cut out the excuses. Be a great testimony. Don't just post the inspirational quote that you know shows others, oh, look at this, this is wonderful, I love this thought. Be an example. Be a follower of Christ. Be willing to lend a hand, helping hand and understand that People at times will need something else in life, and you need this as well. Number four we're going to look at is correction. Correction is good for you. Proverbs 17, verse 10, it says this. Rebuke is more effective for a wise man than a hundred blows on a fool. You should welcome correction, especially when it's offered to help you become more like Christ. If you're constantly told you have a problem with bitterness, it's probably not them, it's you. If you're constantly told you've got an anger problem, it's not them, it's you. If you're constantly told you shouldn't talk that way to your spouse or your children, it's not everyone else, it's probably you. All these things are spelled out in Scripture as being sinful. Bitterness itself is dangerous. It spreads to others, destroying others in the process. The wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. You can't be an effective witness for Christ if you're easily angered at everything and everyone every time. If you're not loving your spouse or children as laid, in God's word, laid out in God's word, you're guilty of sin. Period. End of story. Cut the excuses. Look, if you've been told some things about yourself that you've not been, been willing to bring to God and repent of, then here, as we see in Proverbs, you're a fool. Being wise doesn't mean you don't fall. That's not what we're talking about here. But it means that you learn from your fall and you work through the power of the Holy Spirit and not giving that sin another excuse every time to keep committing that. In fact, one of the previous things we've looked at was David. David, when he was called out for his sin of adultery in our reading, he didn't offer the excuses that we offer. You know, but I don't, you don't understand. I was tired. That's why I did what I did. God, I couldn't help it. She was beautiful. That's why I gave in. See, some of us need to be grateful that people tell us the things that we need to work on. It's actually for our good. It can be quite dangerous if we're no longer willing to hear correction or rebuke from God or others. This is not a good place to be 
Frankly, it's quite dangerous. This is why we need to be careful, and the last thing we're going to look at is to wait before speaking. Number five, wait to speak. Proverbs 17, 27 through 18, 2. It says this. It says, He who has knowledge spares his words, and a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. When he shuts his lips, he is considered perceptive. A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. A fool has no delight in understanding, but in expressing his own heart. Look, sometimes you just don't need to say anything. In fact, Scripture states as clearly the concept of less is more applies in the way that we speak. In the age of social media, not every post deserves a comment from us or even a reshare. Now, what I'm not saying is you shouldn't speak out. I'm saying you should be careful how you speak. Because if you don't know exactly how to respond, you probably shouldn't say anything at all. Sometimes it would do us some good to not say anything about something we know nothing of and give others the perception that we're at wise at least. Usually we kind of feel the urge to respond, you know, because we're frustrated or angry by what someone said or what we wanted to make sure was heard by others, our opinion specifically. See, if you're a person who thinks that everyone else is foolish or stupid and your opinion's the only one that's valid, you might want to take a closer look if you have the biblical proverbial worldview or not. In fact, one of, one of, another translation actually puts uh, chapter 18, verse 1 a little differently. It says, Unfriendly people care only about themselves. They lash out at common sense. See, constantly picking a fight with others is not going to get you good friendships, especially friendships with wise counsel from others. Just, just because Facebook asks what's on your mind, it doesn't mean you need to share it. In fact, you probably shouldn't. It may actually get you in big trouble. Imagine if everybody shared everything that was on their mind all the time. You get the point. Be understanding of others. And think of what you're presenting to them when you speak more so of what you are than what they are. Think of it this way. Have you ever been inconsistent in this? Let's say you shared a Bible verse or a church link or inspirational success quote you find personally very helpful. And you followed up a short time later with a rude, angry response to something that's going on in the world that you disagree with or maybe a post that was vulgar in some way. Ask yourself the question. I mean, would that... Would that be something that, for you as a Christian, you should have done? Would that be really the kind of person you would want to talk to about God if you were on the other side of the equation? I mean, I long for the day as a pastor that our church is filled with believers that are more passionate about being faithful disciples of Christ than they are about the latest right that is under attack. We should stand up for our rights. I'm not saying we shouldn't. But we should be careful that we have not erased from memory the scripture that tells us that, hey, by the way, all that live godly will suffer persecution. That's in the word of God. Understand, believer, your angry responses online will not get you more opportunities to share the gospel. It actually may very well lose you the only opportunities you may have. Now, make sure you've double-checked the facts before you've shared the post or even responded to whatever others share. Uh, just because you can say something doesn't mean that you should, especially if you're not sure of the facts. As one translation puts it in Proverbs 18.13, it says, Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. 
God makes us more diligent about loving people, and he wants us to be that way. He wants us to love as he's loved us, that balance of grace and truth. I hope that God does that in our hearts. See, the argument is made many times, well, he was killed by religious leaders. That's correct. The self-righteous ones who didn't believe he was God and could free them from sin. The irony is that many of those that tell others not to fear, ironically, live in fear themselves by their own words and actions. So I want to ask you to ask yourself a question. When you feel the need to respond, how will this affect my witness for Christ if you're a follower of Christ? You don't need to sell out the truth, but neither should you sell out grace and mercy when you respond to others. You need both. Jesus Christ offers us forgiveness in a place that we can belong in glory with him, should we believe his finished work on the cross and resurrection, victorious over sin and death. We simply need to pray and ask him to forgive us of our sins and turn our loyalty over to him. We're not our own. We are his, and what he says should matter the most, not our own opinion. So, in conclusion, I just want you to remember, our words have power in them. In fact, life and death are in the power of the tongue as Proverbs 18, 21 tells us. So, having learned these principles, what are you going to do with the wisdom God has revealed in his word? Here's the big question. How will you speak to others? How will you speak to others? I mean, will the gospel be more important than the politics? Will the biblical principles matter more than your opinion? I mean, what about others that are different than you are? How are you going to approach them? See, Christ is the ultimate word of God. He came down in human flesh to pay an eternal debt that we owed for sin. And wisdom, as scripture says, it calls out and asks us what we do with the word that was made flesh. Will we trust him or ignore his sacrifice on our behalf? 